Okay, this is our second lesson on why we believe the King James Bible to be the Word of God. We are studying the doctrinal statement of the Bible Baptist Church. That is the summary of what we believe and why we believe it. It's what unifies us as a local congregation and the reason that we're taking so much time to study and consider these things is because as a young person, it is vitally important. It is imperative that you figure out what you believe for yourself, that you study to show uh, yourself approved unto God. Your beliefs are going to be challenged. One day what the preacher said isn't going to be good enough. One day what your parents told you, uh, it's not going to be sufficient. You need to really make sure that your faith is grounded in the Word of God. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17 to pick up where we left off last time. But before we do that, let's just briefly review where we've been. We're talking about our stance on the Scripture, our belief regarding the Word of God. It's where we have to start, and we believe in the absolute authority of the Holy Scriptures. We believe the original manuscripts were given by inspiration of God and were without error. We believe the God who gave His Word to man has taken upon Himself the responsibility for its preservation. We believe the incorruptible Word of God, which cannot pass away, is available to the English-speaking world in the authorized King James Version. This Bible is our final authority in all matters. We started with the doctrines of inspiration and preservation. Inspiration, that's God giving His words to man. He used about 40 different men to write those words down, but God is the author. Ultimately, God is the author of scripture and those words that he gave originally in the original autographs. They were inspired words. They were the pure words of God, perfect and without error. But we must add to that the doctrine of preservation. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them O oh Lord, based on our belief in what the Bible says about God's promise to preserve his words, we believe there is a book today in existence that we can hold, that we can read, that we can study by the grace of God and the Spirit of God that we can understand, and it is the very inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. We believe that book is found in the King James Bible. Now, what Bible you use is really only a question if you start with a belief in the doctrines of inspiration and preservation. If I believe that God gave his word uh, perfect and without error in the originals, but I don't believe that God preserved his word in a manner in which I could have those words today, then just use any version that you want to. Nobody is anything else only we are king james only because we believe literally in the promise of preservation as given in psalm 12:7 and other places we just believe the god who gave his word through imperfect man is able to keep his word through imperfect man and that when God promises something, he keeps his promises. And so uh, to answer the question, where is this Bible found today? If, if you believe there is a book that contains the infallible, inspired, inerrant word of God, it's easy to determine which it is. And we're just giving a, a summary list, a very brief overview of the reasons why we believe the King James Bible 
is God's perfect word. I challenge you, maybe you've used it all your life, but you don't know if you believe it or not. Maybe it's the Bible your church uses, but uh, you're not really sure the reasons why, or you're not personally convinced that it's all that important or all that uh, necessary. Let me let me encourage you to think about these things, to search them out uh, for yourself. We gave you four reasons last week. We'll follow up with three additional reasons today. Our four reasons from last time were the manuscripts that underlie the King James Bible. New Testament, predominantly, we're told, come from Greek manuscripts. The, uh, the Old Testament, uh, we're told, written in Hebrew, 95%, over 95% of the, the, the more than 5,000 uh, Greek manuscripts that exist are the ones that match the King James Bible. The modern Bible versions, the modern English versions, are based upon primarily uh, two manuscripts that were found more recently. And the reason that uh, so much weight is placed upon these manuscripts is that they're older. But that's, uh, that's, that, that, that's illogical thinking. That's a fallacy that older is better reason that they're older is because they survived, and the reason they survived is they weren't used like the like the good manuscripts, the right manuscripts, the correct manuscripts were used. This, th- these manuscripts are Vaticanus and Sinaiticus, one found in the uh, Vatican Library, not a really great place uh, to look for biblical Christianity, another found in a trash dump of a monastery on what's supposed to be Mount Sinai, again, not a very good place to look. Both of these have obviously been corrected and altered and amended. Uh, The people who handled these manuscripts had beliefs that altered from orthodox biblical Christianity, and so they took the scripture and changed the scripture to match their beliefs. And so we really don't care what these manuscripts say. The faithful copies of God's word, they didn't last as long because they were uh, more used, and they're the ones that underlie the King James Bible, when they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, late 1940s, uh, those Hebrew manuscripts uh, match perfectly with what we have in the King James. The manuscripts uh, cause us to believe King James Bible is God's perfect word. Also the history and so many things that overlap here at the same time. Johann Gutenberg's printing press that changed the world like no other invention has before or since. Um, also, we've got the uh, the development of the English language. We've got the Protestant Reformation sweeping the European continent, reaching over uh, to the British Isles. We've got England no longer under the stranglehold of Roman Catholicism. We've got men like uh, John Wycliffe and William Tyndale paving the way uh, for this English translation. We've got God's miraculous uh, providential protection in events like the gunpowder plot of 1605 and just God's hand uh, all over this that we've seen uh, from historical perspective. The language of the King James Bible, English language, at its peak here in the beginning of the 17th century, it's not Old English that was up until 1100 AD. It's not even Middle English that was up to 1500 AD. There are some uh, what are viewed as peculiarities. Uh, There is what is viewed as archaic language, the King James Bible, everybody complains about the these, the thous, the thys, the thines. We demonstrated last time how that makes the Bible more precise and more accurate and easier to understand. Even if we don't speak that way, it's not that people at that time spoke that way either, but there's a reason for those uh, pronouns being used. Then we talk about the translators of the King James Bible. The, the Lord gave the word, Psalm 68, 11, great was the company of them 
that published it. 47 men taking seven years in a, in a step-by-step process, 15 times every word was viewed, considered, debated, make sure they had the right word. And these are men like Lancelot Andrews who would learn a language every year on his month-long vacation. Uh, so that's that's impressive, uh, being able to look in the back of Strong's Concordance and find 10 Greek words and picking one that you want to use. That's not impressive. Uh, but But these men... Were, were pious men, holy men from different theological backgrounds and perspectives, but linguistic uh, masters and experts and just intellectual geniuses. Uh, by no means all perfect men were, were our confidence not in the translators, the, the translators themselves not inspired, but the words God used them to preserve certainly inspired. We come then to point number five. Uh, of our seven reasons why we believe the King James Bible is the inspired, inerrant, uh, perfect Word of God for English-speaking people. Point number five is the integrity of the King James Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 17 is our verse, and there the Bible says this. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 17, we are not as many which corrupt the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. What's very interesting about this verse, it's changed in all the modern versions. And the change is something, goes something like this. We are not as many which peddle the word of God. Now, you can understand why a modern Bible that changes God's words would want to take out this prohibition of corrupting the word of God. That would be very self-condemning, but the word that's been chosen in its place is equally self-condemning on this level. The Bibles that say we don't peddle God's word, unlike the King James Bible, put a copyright in the front because that's exactly what they're doing. The reason for hundreds of Bible versions is there are hundreds of people wanting to sell those Bibles and make money. It's a market. It's an industry. The King James Bible is the only English Bible that does not contain a copyright. You could take the text, you could take it to a printer, you can print it yourself, you can buy a copy at the dollar store. Now, you got a study Bible, marginal notes, those will be copyrighted, but not the text of the scripture itself. The integrity of the King James Bible sets it apart, okay? So, we're the modern Bible versions don't get away with changing 2 Corinthians 2.17 from corrupt to peddle. In fact, that's just as condemning. Romans chapter 2 explains how we condemn ourselves by judging others because we we do the very things that we condemn. 1 John chapter 3 verse 17 is another passage to look at under the heading of the integrity of the King James Bible. And it falls under the discussion of the italicized words. As you'll read, you'll notice that there are words in the text that are set in italics. They're sideways. They're slanted. And what is the reason for that? Well, there's a very good reason and a very logical reason. And the reason is this. When you go from one language to another language... Sometimes you have to use additional words to say the same thing. Here's the illustration our pastor always gives. Brother James uses the illustration of going from English to Spanish, the word toothbrush. 
the word toothbrush. One word, compound word, in the English language, toothbrush. You can insert your joke right here about why it's called a toothbrush and not a teeth brush in which state that it was created in, but a toothbrush, okay? One word in the English language. I'm going to say that in Spanish. I'm going to attempt to say that in Spanish. Native Spanish speakers are going to laugh at my attempt. But to say the same thing in the Spanish language requires three words. Cepillo de dientes. I did my best. Cepillo de dientes. Basically, brush of the teeth. One word in English, three words in Spanish, but the very same idea, the very same word, the very same concept, the very same thing. So when the King James translators came to uh, words that were not in the text, but were required in English to say the same thing as the manuscripts said, the added words were set in italics. Now, the King James translators are not the only translators who did this. Every translator has to do this. The King James translators were honest enough to show you the places where they did. For example, 1 John 3.17, read this verse and notice the italicized words. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Did you see the words in italics? They're very important words in the verse. The the verse does not say the same thing without the italics that it says with the italics. The italicized words are of compassion. Here's the situation. A man has a brother, that is a, another saved individual, and this man sees that brother has a need. Okay, This is a legitimate situation. This is not driving down uh, the road on the side of the interstate. There's somebody with a cardboard sign. Anything helps, God bless. I don't know if that individual saved. I don't know if they really have a need or if they're just making a good living panhandling. Really don't. So this, this verse does not apply in that situation. This verse applies in the situation that you see your brother have a need. You are not to shut up your bowels of compassion from that brother. Okay, take out of compassion, you've got two possibilities, neither of which is very compassionate. Either my brother has a need and I'm going to shut up his bowels, that's not, that's not very nice, or my brothers have a need so I'm not going to shut up my bowels. Well, how is that going to help the brother with a need? <laughs> you've got to have the italicized word to make any sense. You've got to have the italicized word in the verse in English to say the same thing that the verse says in Greek. So the integrity of the King James Bible is seen in what is often criticized. The, the italicized words are criticized as if they shouldn't be there, but they absolutely should. That's just one minor example. Point number six, why we believe the King James Bible. Point number six, because it's perfection. Because of its perfection. It doesn't have any errors. The word of the Lord is right. Every time, every place, every word of God is pure. Let me give you some references. Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words. That is, they're not mixed in with anything else. God's words and only God's words, and God's word is always right. Psalm 119, 140, thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Psalm 119, 160, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth 
forever. Proverbs 30, verse number 5, every word of God is pure. So if God's word is pure and perfect, then if I have God's word, it's got to be pure and perfect. Now, in the King James Bible, this is a book with no mistakes, no errors, no contradictions. Many, many alleged mistakes and errors and contradictions, but no proven mistakes, errors, contradiction. Now, now here's the difference with the modern Bible versions. I can show you the mistakes. I can show you the errors. I can show you the contradictions. I, I can show you English Bibles that say David killed Goliath and that also say Elhanan killed Goliath. That's one of those italicized words issues. Elhanan killed the brother of Goliath, not Goliath himself. David killed Goliath. I can show you Bibles that uh, say contradictory things about the length of uh, Saul's reign there in the book of Samuel. It, mistakes and contradictions that, that, that can be shown in modern English versions that aren't there in the King James Bible because we believe this is the book God used to preserve his words. Now, by perfection, we don't only mean no mistakes. We mean it's complete. It's all there. What do we mean by that? Well, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus said this to the devil on the Mount of Transfiguration, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word in the Bible is there for a reason. Every word is inspired. Every word is important. Every word is necessary. And when Jesus told the parable of the sower, he spoke of someone who would come and take away from the word of God. Remember, the seed is sown. Some of that seed fell by the wayside. Here's what Jesus said about it in Luke 8, 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and take away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You've got the same thing in the parable in Mark chapter number 4. The devil, the fowls of the air, represented by the fowls of the air, come and takes away the seed, comes and removes the word of God. Did you know that in the NIV, the New International Version, there are 17 entire verses that are removed from the text. Now, now, sometimes they'll take half of a verse and split it into two so that the numbering's not off and you don't know that the verse is gone. But nevertheless, 17 verses removed. The NIV contains 64,000 fewer words than the King James Bible. Now, who's behind that? According to Jesus Christ, the parable of the sower, the devil's behind that. The devil takes away from the word of God, which is a very serious offense according to Revelation 22 and verse number 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Verse 19, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. The King James Bible, here's, here's why I know it's the Word of God. It's, it has all the words in it. That's the simplest answer to how to know which Bible to use. I want the Bible that has all the verses. I want the Bible that has all the words. I don't want one that the devil came in and took something out of because every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, Jesus said, I've got to have it. I've got to live by it. Okay. Number six, the perfection of the King James Bible. Then number seven, and finally, 
the power of the King James Bible. We've got the manuscripts and the history and the language and the translators and the integrity and the perfection all pointing to this being the book God has used to preserve his words and then the power of the King James Bible. Here's what we know from the Bible about the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive and it's life-giving. 1 Peter 1.25, being born again, not of not of, not, of, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. In James 1.18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. John 6.63, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. What are, what are we saying? The Bible is the agent of the new birth. The Bible gives life. The Bible is supernatural. It has supernatural power. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, we thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as in, is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I'm saying this book, this King James Bible, has been used throughout history by God in ways that give evidence to the fact it is his inspired word. Here's my question. What great move of God, what great revival has been brought about by any other English version than the King James Bible? Revised version? What, what revival did that bring? That brought about the the accelerated rise of modernism, rationalism, textual criticism. I didn't give, I didn't give, I didn't give rise to revival. That gave rise to apostasy. How has the NIV, the New American Standard, the ESV, how have those have turned America back to the faith of our fathers? They haven't. It's just been another part of this downward spiral, spiral away from God. God used this King James Bible, though, in incredible ways. The revivals of history uh, for the English-speaking world have been based on this book that God gave us. Again, let me recommend some reading to you as we close out today. Translator, translators Revived, Alexander McClure. Some background on the men God used to translate the King James Bible. Brother Tim Fuller's book, Neither Jot Nor Tittle. Just an excellent, well-written, well-structured summary of these principles and these issues, I would highly encourage you uh, to read that book. Along the same line, uh, The Fingerprint of God by Andrew Ray. I'd, I'd highly encourage you to get and to read those and to believe that we've got God's Word. And I just believe it. Read it. Study it. Listen to it preached. Live by it. Build your life upon it. Praise the Lord. Next time, we'll take a little closer look at the modern English versions, the mistakes, the errors they contain, why we know those can't be the Word of God. God bless you. Have a great week.